listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world at next to no cost with credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. Make money, save money, and take advantage of great deals. Thanks for joining me for today's episode with special guest Dan Ports from the gift card reselling website cardcenter.cc. We talk about gift card reselling and why miles and points enthusiasts should consider this lucrative opportunity to generate credit card spending in a lucrative way. Before today's episode, here are some quick announcements. I'll be speaking at multiple events in 2024, including the San Antonio Award Travel 101 Meetup in April of 2024 and the Miles Points and Gambling event Zorkfest, November 2024 in Las Vegas. Also, visit meetup.com slash Philly Miles and Points to RSVP for monthly Greater Philadelphia Travel Credit Miles and Points meetups I host in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining me today, Dan Ports of cardcenter.cc. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're recording here at the end of February in 2024, a little bit of slow season for gift card reselling, but it's heating up towards the summer. We're going to have a lot more action. So let's talk to some listeners about gift card reselling, how they can get started, maybe starting slow now if they're new to it and moving up as it gets busier in the year. Yeah, let's do it. How did you get into gift card reselling? For me, it started back in late 2016, early 2017. My brother had been doing it. He'd been flipping gift cards for a year before me, and he approached me around the holidays that year. And he told me a little about the business and how it worked. And um, my first thought, having had a background in software development for 10 years, was, hey, man, could you just automate a lot of this stuff? So uh, that's kind of launched me into a journey. For the next several years, initially it was just me flipping my own cards and then later flipping other people's cards and I uh, kind of grew it into what it is today and then uh, partnering with uh, David last year to launch Card Center. Yes, you are of code within before and now it's Card Center, but the wins still continue. Lots of deals, lots of opportunities. So can you explain to people what gift card reselling is? Yeah, the basic idea is that a lot of brands offer gift cards at a discount. Uh, so, for instance, I think Best Buy this week is running a deal on Darden or Olive Garden gift cards where you buy a $50 card and you pay $42.50 for it. So they have these deals that run periodically, and they're usually limited. So if you're Best Buy will limit you to a few per account. So then what you do is you buy these cards at a discount. And what we do is we will sell these cards to uh, various buyers or on marketplaces like Raise or Card Cash. And so to give you a more complete example, you buy that card for $42.50, or that's 85% of the face value of the card. And then let's say we were buying that card, we might buy it at let's say 86%, then if you sell the card to us, then you'd be making 1% margin on the actual sale of the card, plus whatever points or miles you would earn from making that purchase at Best Buy. Yes, ideally we'll look for break-even deals, but sometimes there's arbitrage. Sometimes we'll be up a percent, two or more, especially if the deals are very good. But the main thing for me is getting the credit card rewards. We're not using debit cards or checking accounts to buy these cards, but rather we're putting spend on new cards, spend on season cards, getting category bonuses, stacking different kinds of offers. Right. 
stacks upon stacks to keep the miles points and even cash back in some cases growing. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes there'd be cards like the Discover It that would say bonus dining at 5%. And I imagine most people aren't going to spend $1,500 on dining transactions. But what if Cheesecake Factory or Panera was selling direct through their website and we could use something like a Discover It to get 5% back on purchases like that? Right. The coding of the purchases comes into play and in thinking about all these category bonuses and how you can apply the best credit card for each purchase. And there can be a lot of optimization that goes into that aspect of it. Many of my listeners are from the state of Pennsylvania, where we have the giant Pennsylvania grocery rewards and gas rewards, not to be confused with other giant or giant eagle, but we have an upcoming Lowe's deal that's giving 10x points. You can use that for 10% back in groceries or for gas getting more value depending on how many gallons of gas and some people are bringing extra gas containers to the pump some people are bringing a player two on the other side of the pump so there's definite arbitrage when giant in pennsylvania runs really good deals a lot of grocery chains around the country uh, run great gift card deals and uh, if you're lucky enough to be living in one of those regions then definitely grocery stores are a great option for you yeah, even if you run the numbers, depending on how much you fill, because of course, America loves math, maybe you get something like 15% back in points on the Lowe's purchases, and maybe we'll sell the Lowe's to you at 89%. So there's quite a spread on that, plus the credit card rewards. A lot of times the grocery store deals are on high denomination cards. $100 or even $500 cards, which makes it really easy to rack up a lot of spend on those. Some people ask, how do you submit these cards? How does your process work with your website? So the way it works is that we'll post deals and that if you're already subscribed as a seller, you'll get an email alert too, or we also have a Slack workspace that you can join and get alerts through there as well. And so once the deal alert goes out, you can click on a link and tell us how many cards you plan to get which we call reserving capacity, reserving cap for short. Assuming that we have capacity for what you're offering us, then your reservation will get approved. You go out, you go to the store or you go to the website, you buy the cards, you get the codes and pins from the cards, either from your email or by transcribing them from the physical cards from a store. And then we have a link where you can submit those details for each card. And uh, once you submit the details, then they get scheduled for payment. Yes. And the payment is often triggering a direct deposit bonus for new bank accounts. As you know, I switch my bank accounts very often <laughs> signing up for yes. new ones to get bonuses, maybe 300 to $500 worth. And that's an extra incentive that comes with the gift card reselling. Yeah. And you're, you're not the only one to take advantage of that. We've got other suppliers that do the same thing. And we try to also make it easy for folks to update their payment information online. You can do that on our website. So you can change your payment account as often as you want to try to chase the, the bank angle as well. Yeah, I think easily a few hundred dollars per month if you're on it with one account giving maybe three to five hundred, another giving three to five hundred. And Laurel Road has been an interesting bank that's come up where they're giving a $20 bonus every month for direct deposit, and you could transfer to their savings account as well, earning 5% APY. So we're stacking even there, getting additional money, because usually what your payment terms are somewhere around like 10 or 15 days, sometimes a little bit longer, depending on the brand. So we have that money before the credit card payments are due, and we could make money on that money. Yeah, the payment terms will vary depending on the deal as well. Sometimes 
you know, we'll offer different options for payment terms, depending on whether you want to uh, get paid quickly and then have the funds available for your credit card or maybe hold for a longer term and possibly get a higher rate. It just depends on how you want to play the game. For people getting into this, what are some tips that you have for people buying these larger denomination gift cards and starting to scale up their spend? I'd say the biggest recommendation I'd have is to make sure that you're well organized on your end. So that would mean making sure that you keep track of all your purchases and keep track of all your gift cards and which cards were for each purchase, keeping track of your receipts, keeping track of all the links or physical gift cards uh, or the links with electronic gift cards and uh, making sure they have all that organized so that if there's any issues down the road, you know, sometimes buyers will complain about the card, the card wasn't activated properly, the card has the wrong balance, they thought they didn't use the card when they actually had used it. And if any of these issues come up down the road, then you'll be very prepared to uh, deal with it by being able to find the documentation you need to establish that, you know, this card was good, code is correct, or, oh, look, I just made a typo so I can fix that. So, yeah, definitely organization, I'd say, is the top thing. A lot of people use Google Sheets for that or just old-fashioned Excel to keep all that organized. I usually recommend people start small, that maybe you start with a smaller denomination gift card, submit one, learn how the process goes, rather than, say, going on a world tour and going like five giants in one day buying Lowe's gift cards right when you're getting started. Maybe Definitely. just start with one card of a smaller denom or denomination. And the online deals, the online deals are quite common. So if you can buy some smaller denomination cards online, get used to the process, I think that's definitely a good way to go yeah and that's how i started out as well back when i was just buying gift cards myself i think for the first few months i was only doing like you know a few thousand dollars each month just to kind of get my feet wet because it's it can be kind of scary that the idea that you've got thousands of dollars of your own money tied up in these these gift cards that are basically just codes and pins you know <laughs> it's all really funny money all fraud all fraud just numbers out there you know <laughs> We yeah, never really see all the money. We have these big credit limits, but, you know, oh, we're good for it. It's okay. Just keep going. Keep yeah. spending on your Amex. It's good. It's good. You definitely want to just pay attention to your own comfort level and see, uh, not get too caught up in what other people would be doing and how uh, how much they're spending just to to gradually ramp it up based on what you're, uh, what you're comfortable with. It's a common saying that it's a marathon, not a race. So especially when using one particular credit card, I like to split tender, split the transaction across multiple cards instead of just hammering one card with bigger transactions, especially if it's a newer card, especially if you're working on a sign-up bonus. And speaking of sign-up bonuses, I think gift card reselling is a really good way to hit those minimum spend requirements for bonuses on cards as you could disguise the transaction by splitting tender. So if I were to buy a $500 gift card for purposes of resale, I can tell the cashier I'd like to split it between two cards, maybe do something like... $250.47 on one card and the rest on the other. And it's a very disguised transaction because most people could easily be spending two to $300 at a grocery store. But if you were to just put maybe 1500 or 2000 on one card with one swipe, that doesn't seem as organic or legitimate. Yep. Possibly running into fraud alerts for larger transactions, especially if the card isn't seasoned as much. You haven't been using it for those larger amounts. Yeah, that's something that can be annoying. Definitely. I think that's more happens in store, but can happen online occasionally as well. There's a man at a grocery store buying gift cards. Do you know who he is? Yes, it's me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the banks, the banks think it's all it's all fraud. So we just have to uh, demonstrate and try to appear as legitimate as possible. Yeah, I remember one time years ago, 
before I got into this gig, I was in a stop and shop, my local stop and shop. There was a guy at the self-checkout and he was having some kind of issue. And one of the clerks was speaking to him and they, they told him like, I'm sorry, sir, you've hit your limit of gift cards. It was like you know, $60,000. I'm like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, fast forward a few yeah. years and I'm like, oh, I know what he's doing. <laughs> wow. Six, 60,000 in one stop would be nice because nowadays usually it's around 2000 or 2,500 per stop for me anyway. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if it was for one visit or if it was for the year. I'm not, I'm not sure. I didn't really remember exactly. Oh details, gosh. But uh, cashiers uh, love love making up rules. Like I was just at a speedway earlier and I tried doing my normal transaction of $1,500 and the cashier just starts writing notes on a piece of paper. I said, well, wait, what's what's this? I thought paperwork started at $2,000 and she said, oh no, it's new management. It's changed. So now the paperwork starts at 300 and I had my driver's license and credit cards on the desk. And then halfway through this paperwork, she says, oh, these cards are cash only. So you'd have to use cash for this. So, oh, well, I'm very confident that if I put a credit card in the machine, it's going to take because I was just here <laughs> about a week ago. Oh, no, right. sorry. It's new new management. They weren't following the policy. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't really think there are policies. I think they're just making things up. Yep. That can happen. Different, you know, could be the same chain, but different region, new management. Yeah. All that stuff happens. <laughs> and it amuses me, too, that it would be okay to come in with a wad of $100 bills and buy these gift cards. That's okay. You know, $1,500 just right. walking into a Speedway. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a credit a credit card with an ID is not acceptable. But all these $100 bills, oh, yeah, we'll take that. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. I don't really follow the logic either sometimes. So, yeah, some some issues with cashiers. Is, it's definitely a downside of this. Sometimes online orders get canceled. So I think you just have to have some patience and just keep trying and you get used to what works what the limits are what the limits might be or what they pretend the limits are yeah and you know you've got to decide how you want to play the game too like for me personally i don't really do a lot if any in-store deals uh because i just don't like dealing with that stuff you know the cashiers and uh the limits the policies all that it's like you know i sure i could could i earn more points and miles by doing that sure but it's like it's i don't feel like it's worth my time to do it so you got to decide how you want to play the game. I prefer to go after the online deals that I can um, that I can do well and don't take a lot of time to manage. It's really up to yeah, the person how they want to do it. Yeah, the giant deals are really valuable to me as that's been my gas for several years now. I'm doing this since 2018, and I think I've been filling up at the end of that year, somewhere around 2019 with the gift card reselling. It was right down the rabbit hole. It was signing up for one checking account, one credit card, and then, oh, how can I do more of this? How can I spend more? The answer to everything is more credit cards. So more more credit cards, more spend, more, more opportunities, accounts, more offers, yeah. more bank accounts. Yeah, more everything. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. And this gift card reselling definitely added a lot to the travels and a lot to the profits because how much are you going to spend organically? It's like the Myelnomics podcast. They sometimes joke about living the monastic lifestyle that how much of their spend is actually organic spend. It's probably extremely low. Yeah. And as they say, organic spend usually doesn't move the needle. But if we're able to scale up through some tactics like this with gift card reselling, prepaid cards, a lot of other shenanigans, then we can really go on the trips we want to take, generate a good amount of cash back if that's what we want to do, and just give ourselves a lot of options, taking advantage of these wonderful systems here in America. Yeah, and I really think it's a win for everybody, too, because as someone flipping cars, you're earning the points in miles, the vendor's making sales. The banks, they're making money on the 
interchange fees and all that. Like it's really, everybody's winning. Yep. As long as you're organized, as long as you're doing the correct math and just staying on top of things in general. Yep. Yeah. Some people new to this, they would say, oh, that doesn't really make sense. Why would I just go to Home Depot and buy a gift card and sell it at 91%? Well, no, we're not saying do that, but we're looking for the promotions and different ways to stack things. Even with Discover, one common thing is cashing out Discover It cashback or points for Nike gift cards. And you could cash out and get a 20% discount on Nike gift cards rather than just getting the cash back. And that's a common arbitrage situation when you buy the $100 and $200 denominations. That's a great option. Yeah, I was uh, listening to another podcast and they were saying that the Discover is not worth it, that it's only one cent per point, but there are a lot of options for bonuses on gift cards with them. Yeah, I think you can bump it up to maybe what, 1.1, 1.2, I haven't done the math, cents per point. Yeah, a little bit of uplift there. Another question people have is, why sell cards too? Why wouldn't they just go on a site like you mentioned, raise.com and sell the cards themselves? The downside of doing that is that a lot of times these marketplaces prefer to work with bulk sellers and they'll tend to give better rates, better commission rates and so on to the uh, to the bulk sellers. So that's why it's often better for individuals. Unless you're scaling it up pretty large yourself, you're usually better off working with um, a broker like Cardson or one of the other ones out there because they can tend to, to get better rates from the marketplaces. Yes, there'd be some high sell fees or listing fees that would go on there. If I were to just want to sell my own Lowe's gift card, that I'm going to get a better deal selling it to you rather than just going on my own on a marketplace. Yeah, and sure. I mean, if you and if you have friends and family that can use the cards, that's even better, you know, because then you can be your own. Uh, you know, you can sell directly to them. Probably get the best rate possible that way. But a lot of people don't have <laughs> those sort of sales avenues. Yeah, it's usually hard to get people into the game. And even people that don't want to play with credit cards, I've, I've told them about, oh, well, I can just sell you. Oh, you have some home renovation coming up. I could sell you Home Depot. I can sell you Lowe's, whatever it is. And then they end up just not doing it and they go and pay full price, which seems to make no sense. But I guess they just don't want to take the additional steps, which is pretty sad. But unfortunately, um, we can't motivate everyone to win. I mean, I'm I'm guilty myself sometimes too, because I'll be honest, sometimes gift cards are just a pain, especially when you use them for a purchase, and then you have a return and then like some vendors will mail you back a gift card. And uh, I don't personally use gift cards for every purchase, but I try to use them on the purchase with a high dollar value. We just moved recently. And so we were making a bunch of purchases in Ikea and I was kicking myself because I let my wife spend like, I don't know, I think it was a thousand dollars in store. And I'm like, I had gift cards for that. So then she made some more purchases. I made sure to hook her up before uh, she checked out. Those are cases where I feel like it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I don't try to like min max and optimize every single purchase with the gift cards. Yeah, the larger purchases are nice. Or if you can automate in a way by adding to an app, like I have the Panera Bread app, I go to Panera often for the Sip Club. And now you can use gift card balance to pay for Sip Club as in the past, I was rotating between accounts and using different promo codes, but then things stopped working. So I went back to the original account and okay, well, now I'm paying like $5.99 a month and I have gift cards in there. Sometimes I'll eat at Panera, especially when on the go away from home when traveling. So if I can get the Panera gift cards 20% off, 15% off, I can just add them to the app and then I don't need to carry around extra plastic. I don't risk leaving it at home. Yeah. And there's no breakage in that in that method. Yeah, I think it works really well for those brands like Panera or Starbucks that have a pretty well developed you know app infrastructure for adding gift cards, combining balances, uh, keeping it all in one place. It's great for those. 
And it's also great for the high dollar value purchases, like I was saying. I think I have a harder time, like Macy's is one of those ones where I use some Macy's gift cards in the purchase. And then we ended up returning some items and then they like snail mailed me some some gift cards. This is an online purchase. They snail mailed it to me. And I think I'm still missing one from somewhere. So it's oh. like it's it, it can be a little bit of a headache in those situations. Yeah, targets usually go to just add balance to the mm -hmm. Target app. And usually November, December, they'll give the 10% off Target gift cards. And you've been buying those as well. So some stacks there. Yeah, November, December, typically the the high season of gift card reselling. It gets really wild. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's it goes just completely bonkers for about two months at the end of the year. What were some of the best deals that you saw in 2023? I mean, speaking of Target, I think one of the craziest deals was uh, they had Roblox gift cards, you know, the online gaming platform. And it was, I think it was 40% off, which is pretty established brand. It's as a pretty absurd discount. That's one that jumps out to me as a, it was a really excellent deal. The best buy days of 98%, 99% were really wild a few years ago as well. <laughs> yeah, those were nice. I mean, I was, I don't usually do a lot of best buy because I don't usually best buy. You have to buy in store in a grocery store to get, to get a good discount. But on those days when Best Buy was selling for such high rates, I would just flip them on Amazon because it was so easy. You could buy like $1,000 a day on Amazon. Yeah, that was a time where Giant PA had a 5x points promotion. So talk about 5% back in groceries, 10-ish percent in gas maybe, plus the credit card rewards selling them at 98. It was like, do I ever stop? Yeah. And I had the the first world problem of grocery rewards <laughs> where I had like $2,000, $3,000 in grocery rewards that were going to expire at the end of the month. And like, what the hell do I do with these things? I'm eating Chinese food. I'm eating sushi. I'm stocking up on the laundry detergent and Q-tips, putting extreme couponers to shame. Still have <laughs> quite a big stock in my storage room. So gift card reselling really made that happen. That was some fun moments. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're looking for that to happen again. But Giant, unfortunately, took a turn for the worst. And now they're limiting gift card purchases $2,000 per promotion period and spend. So, of course, many people, many people are making multiple Giant accounts or using friends accounts to scale up those deals as it's just become a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and there's a cycle that pretty much every gift card outlet goes through. You know, when it first launches, things tend to be on the permissive side and some people go bonkers and scale things up to crazy heights. And then there'll come a period where things, they start to crack down and it becomes more difficult <laughs> to scale. And, you know, and then the things, but then new things come along too. So there's always a cycle that's repeating in various stages. Yeah, it's um, countermeasures in a way of they do something bad, we tr find a way to go around it in a way or scale certain promotions and it just keeps going on anyway because i guess they're thinking oh well grandma down the street will buy like a hundred dollar gift card so we're okay to give 5x on that but then when people just start pounding the higher denoms and then they're using all the points for gas then like how are they making money on that from at least those buyers but i guess most people are just going to buy the cards cards get unused cards sit around for a while cards expire that so that's how it keeps going whereas maybe the less than one percent of super users are out there but a lot of other people outside of the game are, aren't optimizing yeah and i'm not really sure honestly like i don't i haven't really seen any uh numbers on how these grocery stores make out on the gift card promotions i don't know if it's like uh if it's a big money maker for them how they calculate things like the breakage like you're saying into the equation. It's, it's got to be really fascinating how all that plays out. 
I'm sure it must be okay for them because nearly every grocery chain does it to some degree or another. Yeah, a few years ago, Giant had 5X on sports betting and casino gift cards. And those were cards where you're only paying a $4.95, $5.95 fee, whatever it was at the time, and was just printing money on gas. It was like, that was another, do I ever stop this? Is I could just play the money through blackjack. I was doing some sports betting at the time with promotions and just dropped the hammer on that one. And they ran that promo several times, but then they discontinued that card, switched to another issuer. So that was that was very sad. But yeah, if it's like, how much are they really making on the activation fee? I don't know. And then they're just giving away all this gas. It got pretty crazy. So sometimes you'll see promotions like that, but you have to be in the game to take advantage of it, especially in quarter four when it gets a lot busier in November, December. Yeah, I mean, I have to believe that. I, I don't really think it's a, a win-lose in the sense that I'm pretty sure the grocery chains are doing all right with it. Because, you know, for instance, Kroger, one of the biggest grocery chains, they go through, you know, they sell through so many gift cards during one of their fuel promotions. Either they're doing really well themselves on these gift card promotions with fuel points or their accountants are just totally asleep at the wheel. <laughs> but that seems <laughs> unlikely for like a, you know, you know, multi-million, multi-billion dollar company like Kroger. But it's nice to be in the game. It's still fun, still a lot of opportunity out there. And yeah, talking about valuing your own time, I'm not about to make a 15 minute detour to save $2 at CVS, but when I can make, say, five-minute, 10-minute detours, depending on how the deal is, like I just drove back from Washington, D.C., and I was able to stop at stores on the return from Washington, D.C. to Pennsylvania, so it was nice to just look at Google Maps and see, oh, I can make this little detour, or oh, I want to stop at Panera anyway, and there's a Staples right there that's selling the fee-free MasterCard gift cards, so bunching trips on a route is my suggestion, and maximizing those like to and from trips. Whereas I go to Atlantic City usually once a month, sometimes more than that. And sometimes it matches up. Sometimes the trips to AC match up when there's another deal going on so I can get more out of that trip. And I'm going to Atlantic City anyway. So if I can make some quick stops on the way, that trip's going to be more profitable. Yeah, absolutely. And that gets back to one of your earlier questions about advice for folks who are just starting out. And I would definitely add that to initially the organization is really valuing your own time. And uh, even though it's a it's a side hustle for most people and uh, it's not uh, bringing home the bacon, it's still time. And so like you're saying, you want to think about how do you optimize your travel if you're doing in-store deals? How do you really get the most out of your time and, and compare it to other things you could be doing to enhance your life or enhance your revenue? And it may or may not be the best fit for you, you know? So I, I definitely encourage people to think about in that sense as well. The online deals are especially nice when I'm out of state where I can't be driving around to the different stores. I don't have a rental car or I'm on a cruise. I'm <laughs> I'm in Las Vegas and I don't want to leave the strip. So I can just buy things online during some downtime in the afternoon or the evening or maybe a deal pops up while I'm eating lunch and I can just pop on my phone. So I find a phone to just be a tremendous investment to have a good phone and I'm just getting my money back. Yep, yeah, I know a guy that I've been working with since I started with gift cards and he does overseas travel a lot and uh and he's figured out how to still make this gig work despite all that, you know, various tools of the trade, VPNs and whatnot. Some vendors are friendly with VPNs, some are not, but he's figured out all those rules. And yeah, you can, there's really a lot of flexibility for it, which is great. And the online deals are usually pretty easy because you're just copy pasting the code and the pin, but some of the physical cards can get a little bit tricky. So how does it work for people new to this? How do you extract 
the information from cards? How do you transcribe? Yeah, there's a lot of different solutions that people use. I mean, OCR solutions to basically convert images into text have, have made huge advances in recent years. And so there's a lot of different apps you can use now to just use your phone's camera to scan a card and grab the code and pin. Some people use mag stripe readers so they can swipe the uh, magnetic stripe on a card and then all you have to do is key in the pin some people also use for certain cards you can use a barcode reader so those are some of the options being a software developer i wrote my own android app to do it <laughs> it's one of those tools that hopefully i can make available to suppliers in the future so they'll be able to take advantage of the time savings of using the app for that and do you have any upcoming changes to your website, any enhancements, things that people can look forward to in coming weeks or months? Yeah. What about some recent enhancements or upgrades that you've made to make it a better process for suppliers or buyers? Sure. Some of the recent changes we've made are giving folks a lot more control over the notifications they receive from the, the system in terms of which deals they're interested in, getting reminders if they have a reservation they've submitted that's about to expire. You can you have a lot of flexibility in the system in terms of deal uh, vendors do you want to hear about? Do you want to hear about deals from uh, Giant? Do you want to hear about deals from Costco or BJ's or the warehouse clubs? And you can also specify for each of these sources the degree to which you're interested in deals that are above break even below break even and so that gives you a lot of flexibility for narrowing down because it can be a bit of a deluge when uh, especially in the busy times of year like at the end of the year giving people a lot of control over how they receive notification from us has been a focus recently yes because in pennsylvania i'm not so interested in what's going on in the midwest and some people, oh, it's a lot of notifications, a lot of information. You get the email notifications, you get the Slack notifications, those help. Or if you want to just mute notifications and go look when you're free, you can do that as well. So there are a lot of options for people. Any other thoughts for people new to this, people considering gift card reselling? Let's see. Aside from the organization and valuing your time, I think those are the biggest things in my mind. There's also the the aspect of, which also goes in hand in hand with organization of, you wanna stay on top of any issues that come up with cards pretty quickly, because that can that can be a real pain in the neck if you get a lot of issues uh, that come back, either you know, issues with typos or cards not activated. The sooner you get on those, then uh, it's better for buyers, it's better for you and your reputation with uh, the people you're selling to. Uh, so definitely responsiveness when it comes to card issues is a, is a really helpful thing. I also keep all my physical cards. I have a big box in my storage area that's usually used for baseball cards. Some people might use shoe boxes, some other storage methods, some random boxes from your friendly local wine shop. So keeping all the physicals help. And with the online deals, there's just a digital record coming in through emails, although some links can expire over time. But you can go on your own archaeological dig if needed. But usually if there's an issue, it comes up pretty soon unless there's a buyer that's buying, say, a restaurant gift card and they forget about it and then use it six months later. I guess that can get more complicated. Yeah, yeah. if you're a buyer that buys a gift card, uses it right away and then tries to use it again in six months, that's when you can have issues too. <laughs> All fraud, all fraud. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I kind of went a little bit overkill on the organization aspect in some ways and I when I wrote the the app to scan gift cards with OCR, I also bought like a little Bluetooth printer and it spits out like little EB labels that I can stick on each card with an ID number. But that's like, that's me being totally <laughs> overboard with the organization. Yeah, that's, that's funny. So yeah, more record keeping is always good as long as it's not adding 
too much time. And, and what do you think is the, for someone that's very attentive and not making typos, like what is the risk of a card coming back not activated or fraud happening on a card or? Yeah, assuming you're accurate on your transcription for physical cards or your copy and pasting for electronic cards, that's something that is really not all that common. Buyers and marketplaces are generally pretty good at, at working through issues. And uh, I think that is something that people who are new to the game sometimes tend to overestimate the risk of. The, the risk of cars getting compromised by hackers or being reported when there's no real issue with the card. It happens, but not nearly as much as people might think. Good. And a lot of this is allowing us to travel. So what are some trips and miles and points that you've taken recently or trips that are upcoming? You know, this might be something of an anathema to folks in the game, but I don't actually do a lot with uh, miles and points. When I first got into the game, it was more about cashback. And I just looked at this whole thing as really just a business opportunity. Uh, and what I actually ended up doing was about for almost five years ago now, my family, we bought an RV and we uh, we left New York City. We just hit the road. We just lived, on, lived in the RV for four and a half years. We settled down recently again. That was the travel that I did and it was awesome. And we got to visit so many parts of the country and see so many beautiful landscapes. But the downside was that you can't really use miles and points in the RV game, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> But like, you know, yeah. campgrounds, they don't know anything about, you know, omelet rewards or thank you points. They don't know anything about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe altitude reserve triggers as a uh, travel transaction or you can use mobile pay for these things and cash out your points. Yeah, although a lot of times I was booking reservations online, so I couldn't even do that too much. Okay, but a lot of other ways to cash out as there are some people who are points rich and they want to see more cash or people that want to de-risk instead of having these huge points balances and things possibly shut down if they maybe got involved with certain fitness clubs and uh, ripped to shreds, let's say. Uh, some people just want to say, all right, well, let's just cash out our points every month or transfer them somewhere else. And I know with American Express, people are cashing out at one cent per point with business checking, or if they can get in with Schwab, they can get the 1.1 cents per point. The Chase Sapphire Reserve is giving the 1.25. Pay yourself back at the moment. People are cashing out with City. So still a lot of ways to cash out the points if people aren't traveling as much. And even though I don't do a lot of the travel game myself, it's always heartwarming to hear from folks that have been doing it. And they'll tell me sometimes, you know, I went on this vacation with my family and it was we made all these memories. And so it's, it's nice when I hear stories like that from our suppliers and how they're really creating meaning for themselves with this hobby, because uh, especially for me as a broker, it's uh, it's just kind of a numbers game. And so it's nice when I can kind of put like a, a human story on it to uh, understand how it really helps people's lives and and uh, improves the, the quality of their relationships. Yeah. And the question of meaning is an interesting one because I found myself very motivated to chase these deals to get out there in the streets and find a sense of fulfillment. And, oh, it's really nice to go on these trips. And in many ways, we get to transcend boundaries. People think, oh, travel is a rich person's game. Oh, I need tons of time to travel. And these things might not be true. If you can put in the effort, you're financially responsible, you're organized, you're somewhat intelligent. I think it's very doable. Absolutely. If you're not not even all in, if you're somewhat in and you make the proper steps, like some people out there might not do all the online deals. They might not do all the store deals. Maybe they just focus on, okay, well, I'm only going to spend towards minimum spend, or I'm only going to spend if I'm getting something like four or 5% plus return. 
And I know that there are people in my audience, people I've had on the podcast who work full-time jobs, they have families, but yet they still can make it happen with miles and points and still make a significant improvement to their lives. Definitely. And not only is it enabling travel, it's enabling better travel. As I'm going to be flying to Las Vegas in a few days, getting flights with JetBlue, I got move to mint certificates because I had Delta status and matched to JetBlue mosaic status. So I'm going to fly first class to Vegas. That's going to be interesting or JetBlue mint anyway. And when I'm in Vegas, I'm going to have a lot of room upgrades, a lot of food comps, a lot of different nice experiences out there compared to people that think, oh, well, I'm going to get back from vacation. I'm going to be broke. Oh, I can only take one trip a year or, or, oh, this is a once in a lifetime trip. If we can put in the effort to do this and thanks to all these opportunities, we're able to see dreams fulfilled. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. A lot of times it's just our own limiting beliefs about travel or about earning additional income or however however you look at this hobby that keep us from reaching the goals that we have. Yeah. And then you get to have these really expensive dinners is a common thing as I've gone on several complimentary cruises and I, I wouldn't go out and spend money on fine dining or spend something like 50 to $100 going out and eating, whereas so many places I go, I can easily spend like 15 to 20 bucks and be happy with that. But I get all these opportunities for free, get the first class flights, get the nice rooms, stay at the night place, nice places and have these huge meals. It's, it's really interesting to have a taste of that and just walk away and go back to kind of normal living in a way of, OK, well, yep, I'm back to my kitchen with the <laughs> rice cooker and yep. making the breakfast shake. But it's nice to have those nice things once in a while. But at the same time, we're also not going to say, oh, because I've had this one thing that I'm going to go out and spend money at all these other places. And then you're in debt and credit card debt. And oh, my God, Dave Ramsey was right this entire time. Oh, no, it's all over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a funny character. He says, you're not going to be allowed to use your uh, your airline miles. And if you want to fly to Belize, you're going to find blackout dates. And it's almost impossible to use airline miles. That's a quote from him. It's almost impossible mm to use airline miles. Yeah, uh, it although, seems like course, a I've... sky is falling kind of view <laughs> to me, yeah. Or another another funny thing he says is that you have to spend $100,000 on Discover to get $1,000, which of course is the strategy that no one in Miles and Points is using. Yeah, you're doing it wrong, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why are you using yeah. Discover at that point if it's just 1%, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's really silly. I suppose there are people out there, oh, I just want one credit card. I only have one credit card. Like, okay, I guess those people exist. But when you're trying to criticize miles and points, you're trying to criticize the people who are doing this well. I've compared it before. It's like saying that poker is an unwinnable game because a person just keeps going blind all in every hand and <laughs> oh i keep losing this game sucks right. nobody's it's, it's winning a strong argument, like, well, basically yeah it's like maybe your strategy is just terrible dave ramsey like if you actually gave it a fairer take and listened to the people who are winning then maybe you understand it better but he won't do that because he's dishonest and he just has his own brand and his own dogma of credit bad even going on the record saying, if I can take out a billion dollar loan with zero interest, I'm not going to do it, is what he said. Mm. I'll gladly, if, if um, PenFed or First Tech or uh, Navy Federal Credit Union, you guys want to give me a billion dollars of zero interest, <laughs> I'll be happy to take it. Yeah, if you got a good use for it, sure. Yeah, we could even just put it in a 5% APY checking your savings account and just uh, make money on it in the meantime. Yeah. All right, we're coming up on closing can you share your website once again and tell people how they can get started? Sure. The website is cardcenter.cc. And if you go there, there's a big button on it that says sign up. And it'll ask for some basic information 
and then we can take it from there. All right, good. And of course, this is not legal or tax advice, but people often ask, is this stuff taxable? What's reselling like? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different strategies when it comes to taxation. I mean, the IRS has given some broad guidelines about what is and is not considered income. So usually if uh, you're getting some, correct me if I'm wrong here, Justin, but if you're getting some intangible sort of benefit, you know, like uh, a, a room upgrade or uh, a hotel room or a better seat on a plane. They don't they don't consider those sort of benefits to be taxable. On the other hand, if you are getting a straight discount and you're basically in your treatings as a business, a discount is basically reducing your cost of goods sold. So that does have tax ramifications if you're thinking about reselling as a business. Yeah, I've never heard, though, of anyone saying, oh, the IRS came to my door knocking about gift card reselling or the deposits in these and that accounts. So it seems like uh, we're pretty safe on that. Of course, this is not tax advice, but it's just uh, what I've been hearing from other people. I haven't seen any mass audits about, oh, what's all this money moving around or these gift cards, this and that. So we've been okay with that. I've had I've had a cashier at the Cheesecake Factory accuse me of money laundering at one point, which was one of the silliest accusations i tried to buy a 50 dollars gift card with everybody's favorite happy card and then she was saying oh that's money laundering using a gift card to buy a gift card is money laundering so i guess they got me at the cheesecake factory that that huge 50 dollars purchase it's like yeah I'm the worst money launderer ever yeah i've right? heard i've i've heard very uh, <laughs> very silly allegations of that from other suppliers as well and people just sort of throw around the accusation of money laundering without actually really knowing what it means <laughs> Which, yep. is, which is very silly. Yeah. yeah, it's like our our person pursuing a law degree just decided to uh, set up shop at Cheesecake Factory to save the world from happy cards, I yes. guess. Yes, oh, and structuring, I hear that one too sometimes. Yeah, cashiers, cashiers just uh, talking some smack. Yeah, I mean, I can understand to some degree if they're just, they, they're just concerned about risk or they don't really understand how things can go wrong, but I mean... Come on, $50 at Cheesecake Factory. I don't really see how that's a problem for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I even tried to explain it. I said, look, I got this card at a discount on Amazon. They had a deal for 15 or 20% off, and I could use this, and I get the $10 bonus card with your other promotion. So, like, here's my ID. Do you want to see it? Like, are you going to call the FABI or the FBI on me because I'm buying a gift card with a gift card? Oh, no. So did they let you use it? Oh, no, no, no. She actually oh. took the card. Another manager showed up, and he's saying it's not allowed. But then, of course, I just came back in another time, and nobody had anything to say. Oh, of course. <laughs> that's, yeah. like, that's like the, the equivalent of hang-up call again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bed Bath & Beyond was probably one of the worst actors in the past, and that's how the war on happiness started, as there were these uh, happy moments and other branded gift cards that were used to buy MasterCard gift cards. And there would be the grocery promotion stacking with the Ibotta app at the time. Or no, no, it was e Rakuten, before Rakuten, I think it was Ebates, mm -hmm. the Ebates app that was giving in-store cash back. And it was just such a tremendous opportunity. And after some time, they said, oh, there was a corporate memo and we don't accept these cards anymore. And then they pulled them from the racks. So it's the the wisdom in this hobby of when you see a really good deal, you want to get on it before it goes away. Yeah. And again, the wins continue with gift card reselling. It's been several years now of seeing really good deals and continuing to get the spend in and continuing to get the rewards. Yeah. I mean, it's been around now for what? I think well over a decade and I don't see it. I don't see it stopping anytime soon because there's too many benefits to the brands of offering these discounts on the uh on the gift cards they get to bring people to their stores to get people to overspend you know a hundred dollar gift card they spend 120 you know so there's 
there's a lot of reasons for this uh, little niche to continue to expand and grow. Yeah, and the end users of the gift cards probably don't know about the promotions, or maybe they don't find the time, or they don't have the outlets in their area, so they're willing to buy them from you rather than going out themselves into the stores or the online promotions, or again, maybe they just don't know, and they're just still willing to pay yeah, right, which is the benefit of like these marketplaces like Raise where you can buy gift cards and there's there's gift cards available all the time. You don't need to know when, you know, when Olive Garden is having a sale to be able to get take advantage of these discounts because you know, you go on Raise and they have them all the time. All right. Very good. Any final thoughts? Not right now. Yeah, it's been a good journey selling to you for several years. Someone mentioned you at Zorkfest a while back and it's been pretty good payments have been coming through direct deposits have been posting for the bank bonuses and i've gotten a lot of people on your platform they've been happy they continue coming back especially for the higher value deals all my giant pa people in the audience looking forward to the next good giant deal yeah and of course we appreciate all the referrals definitely helps our business as well all right thanks for coming on and again it's cardcenter.cc and maybe another contact that you can give an email or some other ways that people can get in touch with you sure my email address is dan d-a-n at cardcenter.cc ah easy enough all right thanks for coming on today yeah thanks justin thanks for listening and stay tuned for future episodes visit hurdygurdytravel.com to contact me Find me on social media, read select episode transcripts, and schedule a free consultation. Support the show through Subscribestar, referral links, and buying from my eBay store. Find the show on many podcast platforms and YouTube, where you can find bonus videos. Supporting me on Subscribestar will give you special perks, including a custom podcast episode, questions answered by upcoming guests, and monthly private one-on-one discussions delving into more advanced topics I don't openly discuss at length in podcast episodes. Visit meetup.com slash Philly miles and points to learn about monthly greater Philadelphia travel credit miles and points meetups I host in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. I hope to see you in person at a future event. Find a link in the show notes. I'll be speaking at multiple events in 2024, including the San Antonio Award Travel 101 meetup in April of 2024 and the miles and points and gambling event Zork Fest, November 2024 in Las Vegas. I hope to see you at the events. Listen to my other podcast, the Stoic Solutions Podcast, found at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. My podcast guests and I offer practical wisdom for everyday life, inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.